Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. On this episode of the LOL Pod, my guest, Dr. Jesse Sanders, and I talk all things family therapy, what it is, who can benefit, and why we think it's so important. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Today, my special guest with me is the founder of Redefine LLC, Mr. Jesse Sanders, Dr. Jesse Sanders. Jesse, how you doing today? I'm doing excellent. I cannot complain. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to start like I start with all of my guests and ask, what is your labor of love? <sighs> my labor of love would be families. 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 Would be my labor of love. Me too. They're definitely part of, of, of my jam and, and what I labor towards. So when you say families, talk a little bit about what you mean by families and kind of where that started for you. Okay. Um, when I say families and people ask me this, clients, people that um, I have an encounter with, families is a family unit. So whether you are a couple that are together um, whether you are not together, I mean, you're co-parenting with someone else. If you're a single parent and you are leaning on or have the support base of family members and et cetera, all of those encompass with a family unit. And a lot of people think in order to be a family unit, we have to be together in the same home. You do not. You are family, whether you like it or not. With your ex, you're still a family unit because you have something in common, which is the child or children. And so I always uh, let people know that, that not to minimize um, the family unit. I love that. You know, I was just, uh, I saw something on social media recently alluding to something similar. And there is definitely a hierarchy in our culture that puts value on marriage, for example, and how there, and then the next step in this cultural mindset is, and then children. So how many times people ask couples, when are you going to start a family? Uh, Excuse me, we are a family. (laughs) Like Children don't make a family. We are a family. We grow or extend our family. And I love what you said, because as I've been thinking about, you know, the work I do with families, I grew up um, as an only child. My Mm. siblings were significantly older than me. I have been making family my whole life. So think about that friend that you call your sister. I got, so let me tell you, I got more aunts and uncles than I can name, but my mama only got one sister, (laughs) right? Everybody becomes aunts and uncles and and sisters and, and that's my brother. And as I'm doing healing work for families, I want people to understand that it does not have to be a biological relation. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be under the same roof. If you are engaging and interacting and have the support or want the support of a group of people, that's family. And y'all need to be in therapy too, because it's not just when something is wrong, right? It's how do we strengthen this system, the family system? So I love that you brought that up. 
Yes. And, you know, I so agree. You know, I have a best friend and she, we don't say we're like brother and sister. We say that we are brothers and sisters because we are family. And so it, it was like when I first moved to Columbus 10 years ago, Brandy and I first met and it was just an instant connection. And so as that bond was building, it was, we are family. You know, we begin to uh, gain trust factors with one another, confide in one with one another. And so I tell people that is my sister because that's how I see her. Not she's like she is my sister. And you are correct. A lot of people think they have to be in the same bloodline in order for that to be your family. Absolutely not. They do not have to have your same last name, because if you grow a bond with someone that is family. Yep, and all that trauma and drama and triggers that come with families are not going to be like, oh, wait a minute, they don't share DNA, so yeah. we're not going to come. No, that, that's not how the issues of relationships work, yes. right? Pretty indiscriminate. And so I love that we can kind of help expand the definition of family for people, especially both being family therapists, that as people are thinking about mm, how, how do we get past this particular issue or things are going very well, how do we take it to the next level? I wanna mm-hmm. understand a person uh, more deeply. I want to be known more deeply. That yeah. is a, a very uh, integral part of the therapeutic process. And so I, I really am glad that people are being able to get that perspective. So tell us a little bit about where your passion for families started or where is that rooted for you? It started when I began to encounter Um, some pitfalls in my own journey um, with parenting. Again, I'm a father with my 20-year-old Brianna and my 11-year-old Brielle. Um, Brielle, my youngest daughter, her mother and I get along excellent. We get along great. Um, The 20-year-old, there was some bumps in that journey. Trust me. And so with my daughter living with me, I had to go through my own healing process. And I saw a therapist as well. So I had to go through a healing because my hurt was beginning to manifest into anger. Anger was beginning to manifest with some negative thoughts. And so I thought this is just too much control. And so, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, uh, never been can tell Ben where to go. And because I went through my journey, I feel, I feel like it had a purpose it had a purpose for family units, no matter what your family unit um, consists of. And so you brought up something earlier, which is trauma, um, because trauma, as we know, can affect us. And I tell people all the time, when you uh, allow yourself to engage and not heal from trauma, we need to understand that trauma is an emotional injury. It's a disability. Um, it has limitations on it and it births drama. Trauma births drama when you do not deal with the trauma at hand. And what is drama? It's intense conflict. And so when we don't allow ourselves to heal, we, we operate with limits. We operate with emotional disabilities. And so I went through the personal journey. And when I went through the journey and I healed, so it was great because I have the professional background. Now I have the personal background. I was able to connect with my clients more, those that I serve. I was able to connect and I was I'm able to be respectfully transparent of my own journey 
because that's what helps. Because a lot of people will look at us as doctors, as therapists with our degrees and think that our life is not similar to their life. Absolutely it is. And so I wanted to be transparent with family units, um, particularly in certain communities. I wanted healing to be birthed. And so I said, what can I do? How can I be a piece to this puzzle? And so that's how Redefined in my journey actually came about. And once I healed, it, I became even that much more powerful. And, and people need to understand that. Y'all can't see me, but I'm snapping my fingers. Um, yes, so much of that. I, I can um, relate to so much of that, you know, having your own personal journey and then having a professional journey and how the combination of those things can make us so uh, powerful, empathetic, and just good at what we do. And when you were talking about a couple of things, one, that, that emotional injury and all of those things that come with trauma, when we don't define it as such, instead people are saying, well, that's just my personality. And I say all the time, walking around, living out our trauma, but we're calling it personality. That's just how I am. That's just what I do. I've always been like that. It's yes. an adaptation yes. to pain and trauma yes. that happened before. Yes. And yes. I think one of the most empowering things that we can give a person is the acknowledgement that they don't have to do what they've always done. You don't have to know the other thing to do. I don't know how all that, that's okay. I can help you with that. I just need you to start with acknowledging you don't have to do what you've always done. And then yeah. the drama, the intense conflict, sometimes people are reluctant to deal with the drama because drama at this point is very lucrative. Yes. So we live in a culture that glorifies drama. Absolutely. We call it reality TV. And, and it's like, hey, it's more exciting and it's more thrilling. Y'all, we ain't got to do this. We, we, I'm just saying, PSA, we Thank don't you. have to live that <laughs> life of drama. We don't. But sometimes it, it's the thrill we need. It's the heightened and intensity that we need to yes. cut through all of the things that that emotional injury has within us. And so I think if we can really start to address these things, then there is a healing we didn't even know was possible and a quality of life that many of us yearn for, but we sometimes don't think it's possible. So I love that. Yes. Now, before the recording, uh, you were telling me about Redefine LLC. So your, yes. your brand and the name, and I, I love the story. And so I really think that uh, the listeners would benefit from hearing that all over again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not, not a problem. So Redefine LLC, Again, I was sitting in my living room and one day I was just thinking, um, what name do I want to bring to this? And I just didn't, did not want to throw a name from the sky. I wanted a name that was impactful um, that, and had meaning and redefined came to me. And again, I studied it and it, it literally means radical transformation. And that's exactly what I wanted. Because there are some people that are so far behind as well in their healing process. We have people in their 30s and 40s and 50s who've never sought help because of their view on therapists, which I'll deal with that in a second. However, um, so I wanted people 
that were ready for radical transformation. Understanding that the ride is not easy and that we are going to take a detour route. So we, we're going to go on a route that you're not familiar with. So it's not easy. All I need to know is that you're going to participate for this radical transformation. And it's so awesome because you stated that um, some people think they cannot live the life. And I let people know that the lens through healing and unhealing is different. Your vision is completely different. Um, when you're healed, you see things one way. When you're not healed, you see things another way. And as the example you just gave, some people walk around and they walk around pissed off. And we just say that that is their personality. Hope I can say that on the show. <laughs> you already said it. It's all good. <laughs> I had to put it out there. <laughs> um, and they, they think that is their personality, but it is not the authentic them. And so with the radical transformation, I love it because we have to dig and we have to get to your pain points. What are your pain points? And I, I let my clients know because of people's attitude with therapy and because of the people I wanted to touch, I let my clients know that this is not you coming to see a shrink per se, um, or saying that you're just totally broken to where this is just your last option. But this is a partnership and you are the author of your story. So you, the, what you give me of your story is what I can help edit and navigate through. And so I let people know, do not see therapy as I'm going to see a shrink or I'm just so broken because I don't know how many times I've heard that. There's nothing wrong with me. Okay, that's fine. So you need to see this as a partnership that we're working together, that you're not so big to where you can't get help because we get help in different areas of our lives. Um, every individual does. And so I tell my clients, this is a partnership. You're the author of your story. So it, make sure you give me truth and transparent, and I know that would take place throughout time, but in order for us to be effective, I need that. So I wanted people that were ready for a radical transformation. I love that, radical transformation, because it is radical, and yes. I, I appreciate that. So one back to when you were talking about like the person who's pissed off all the time, right? Yes. I think the thing that is important for people to understand is it's not even that it's a character flaw. So some people is like, I'm, you know, I'm mad all the time, or this happens when someone else suggests that someone go to therapy. Yes. You always pissed off. You always got an attitude. You need to go see somebody. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so they come, well, this is what I've been told, or this is what I notice about myself. And I want to change it. I, I can't say this enough. Change to start a new thing or to stop doing a current thing is probably five steps down the line. Before yes. we can even talk about how not to be pissy all the time or not to have that attitude, we got to go all the way back. And I, you talk about pain points. We have to figure out the, the need that your attitude is meeting. It's meeting some kind of need or you wouldn't do it. If we can get to that point and turn over those rocks, find those pain points, realize that those things can be healed. So yeah. much of it is rooted in our childhood, how that yeah. four-year-old interpreted that experience 
was three or four year old lens. And now you have the ability in your adult self to go back and reparent that four year old. So then it's not about we help people stop having attitudes or stop being pissed off all the time. No, we help people get to a point where they realize that that was a defensive and effective adaptive mechanism to stop further pain. Because if yep. I'm always got an attitude and then people think twice about engaging with me, then I can help myself not be as vulnerable and as hurt. And so much of this is underneath our conscious awareness. So the deep thing about what we do is we help people see how they're engaging with the world from a perspective that they didn't even realize was a whole thing. And that is so powerful to me. Yes. And I and I want people to understand that they can operate life without limits. And there is a difference between survival and living. And a mentor of mine told me one time, she said, Jesse, because I wanted I wanted to make sure to be able to communicate effectively with all communities, whether you were low class, middle class, you know, upper class. And so I remember my mentor said, Jesse you need to change some of your language because sometimes I would throw words out there and the people would be looking at me like, Dr. Jesse, what is that? And so, and so I have people that come to me now all because my approach, and it's piggybacking off what you said, because my approach in coming to them, and it's similar to when someone goes to church, there are, you know, some people go to church and if you go to church and you don't look like, you are normally in church. If you come with the wrong outfit on or et cetera, people begin to look at you and they begin to judge you. You see it, you notice it. So you get attitude of, I'm not going back to that church. But then you'll go to another church who accepts you for where you are, understanding that the more that you attend, you will make the changes on your own. We don't have to force feed you. We don't have to tell you, you need to change this. You need to do that. No, no adult is going to be receptive to that easy. And so I tell people it is the same with therapy that I'm not going to come to you just point fingers at what you need to do. Understand we're going to dig and the digging may hurt and it may bring back some memories from your childhood trauma, but that is where we need to start. We need to start with the root. And I remember a long time ago, my mother um, was cutting her rose bush, and I asked her um, why she was cutting the rose bush because she loved it. And she said there was um, one bad rose on the bush, and I said, "Well, just cut that rose." And she said, "She said you can't do that because the one rose, the dead rose, will um, eventually bring death to the other roses that are nice." She said, "So I have to pluck it up by the roots and just start all over." And I thought, I was like, well, and I don't have a green thumb. So that to me, that was just a a moment. And I thought it's the same way with people that are dealing with trauma. They're going to have to pluck it up. It may be one bad thing or one negative experience that you may have went through that's affecting your entire life, your adulthood. It's affecting how you conduct yourself with your family. It's affecting um, your communication uh, resolution skills. It's affecting your employment. Um, it's eating at you. You have to, eventually you're gonna have to pluck it up by the roots. So do you wanna do it now while you're 30 or wait till you're 80 and do it? But eventually you have to make a decision. So true. And you know, I do a free consultation for anyone who's doing therapy with me. 
And I pretty much have that conversation. I say, I am a root worker, which means that you may come and that thing you're coming with that you're presenting with your presenting issues, it might be a while before we even talk about that because that's just a symptom. That's that one rose, but I'm concerned about the whole bush. So we're gonna go down to the root. And what I find interesting is, is it is not uncommon at all for me to be working with a person or a family and the thing they have deemed bad is I'm able to help them see the resilience in that. That's not bad. And the thing they like, oh, I don't need to worry about this. This is good. I'm like, um, so maybe we should explore that because we have this perception, right? Like yes. this is good because it helps me feel less pain. This yes. is bad because I, I feel something with it. And we have that reversed sometimes. We want to hold on to the things that kind of push people further away or make us feel invulnerable. And the things that people come to me with are actually things that I'm saying, let's explore it from a different way. I see this as very resilient. Let's look at it like this. Like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Yes. And so know that our brains are actively working at all times to help us stay alive, stay safe and avoid pain. And it will do whatever it can do to accomplish those things. We just get so used to it that we say, oh, well, this is this is just how it is. Which going back to families, imagine you've got a family of four and everyone is going through that process, but they're all intertwined and all intermingled and the system itself is not functioning well because each member doesn't quite understand themselves and the other members and what they're trying to accomplish and all of that stuff. So that's why I truly, I'm gonna probably say this 10 more times while we're talking, family therapy. <laughs> Does yeah. it, you know, sometimes it's a problem. Let's work through the problem. But sometimes it's, how do I understand myself better and what I'm bringing to the family system? How do I understand my partner better, what they're bringing? How do I understand my mama better, the kids better? That whole thing so that we can operate on, on, on levels of um, healthy engagement that yes. in some communities, we have no framework for it, Absolutely. right? <laughs> what is that? I, I think... <laughs> You know, you, where do you look to, to find that example of healthy engagement? And when you're surrounded by something, you go like, oh, we normal. We do it just like everybody else. When it's kind of like, just because it, it's quote unquote normal doesn't mean it's healthy. Absolutely. And there, and a lot of times people's dysfunction become their norm, as we know. So it's dysfunctional to us, but it is, they've been in it for so long it becomes their norm. And to, you know, reach back when you spoke about, you know, the family units, you know, when I did my dissertation, I did my dissertation on homostasis family units. And, you know, homostasis is really, we are a group, we're a unit, we're interdependent on one another. However, we are still dependent on ourselves as well. We're still individuals. So just because I'm interdependent on you, you're interdependent on me, it does not mean that I'm weak. But if one person on the team is losing, everyone is losing because that affects that issue. If it affects you and I'm connected to you, it affects the unit. You can't, you can't be on a team and everyone not desire for everyone to be healthy on the team in order to win. So if you want to win, you have to deal with that. And, you know, there's one time I call um, uh, a parent selfish. Told her she was very selfish because nothing was her fault. 
Nothing um, was ever her fault. And the child was suffering. They had a 12 year old, her and her partner had a 12 year old. The child was literally suffering and broken. And after I met with the child, met with, met with the couple, I told the mother, you are selfish. You're being selfish because you're not being a team player. And she, a lot of clients get pissed off, but they get healed. And because again, no one has ever introduced to them what healing looks like. They're just used to their dysfunction. So no one has said, this is what healing looks like. And I've had clients that have started businesses, went to school, their family unit is healthy and not because of me, but because of our partnership. And that's what's important. I love that you keep calling it a partnership because that, that is exactly what it is. And, you know, I reflect a lot on families, different kind of family system makeups. And part of it is we, we have a tendency to surround ourselves with people who are like us outside of our family. And so part of the reason people don't know healing is possible is because, well, the people I'm in close proximity with, our family functions a lot like theirs. You know, I like to help people, especially families, but even individuals start to think about various roles that people can play in families, because then they go like, oh, you know, we got one of those in our family, right? So you got the hero child. You know, it's the child who can do no wrong. And, 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 and this scene, this is the elevated position, right? It's like, you know, their mama's little boy, daddy's girl, the mediator, you know, they're, they're the surrogate parent. You know, when my parents were working, you know, I helped take care of my siblings or I learned how to really help out around the house. And, and so that elevated position with the hero child is, they have this position and the family acknowledges that position. And so these people who have those roles have a tendency to walk around with an elevated perception of themselves in the world. Yes. And, and, and that's how it is. And they don't, uh, they can lack boundaries because they've had to do their parents' job in some way for so long that they yeah. don't know where the beginning of their role and, and, and someone else's stops and starts better believe that's going to play out in future relationships at work with partners and with friends yeah. but then you have sometimes you have the lost child now the lost child can do some of the same stuff that the hero child does but they don't yes. get acknowledged for it yes Absolutely. imagine having the hero child and the lost child in one family don't we see it all the time you got yeah. one one person who's still clamoring or parent approval. We're grown now. We're adults, but we're we we're doing all this stuff to get it. You got another one saying, yeah. "I don't need to clamor for it." You know, the lost child feels unseen. Then you got the scapegoat. Yeah. No matter oh, what okay. they do, right, wrong, and did it's they fought. You know, yeah. the families with the scapegoat. Oh, you know Jesse. Oh, here yeah. come Jess. Yeah. Jesse did. It. You know, when we start to realize the various roles and dynamics that are within families. I think that's when it's like, oh, I have not asked a single person as we go through kind of what was it like growing up being you and they have siblings. And I say, what role did they play? Where they were like, I don't know what that means. They might use different roles, but everybody like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was the, this one. That was the, this one because we know it, right? Yeah, that's, they were like, that's, that's her. That's her. And you know, and with that, you know, with the hero child and the scapegoat and et cetera, I, I also let people know that we have to understand the weight of our words because 
we plant those seeds and those seeds begin to transcend down to the next generation. And that's how we have dysfunctional cycles that continue. And we need a trailblazer in every family to say, you know what? I am going to be the one to stand up to change the, the dynamics of our family, whether it's for myself, whether it's for my children, um, my partner, I'm going to be the trailblazer so that I can learn the tools for us to become a healthy family because we know we live what we learn. And so a lot of people um, just gain the seeds from the generation before them, how their mother did it, you know, how their father did it. And although it was unhealthy and they know it was unhealthy, that is what they lived. So they're going to implement that in their current family uh, status. And even though they know that it's wrong, and I and people ask me, how can people do that? Well, I said, hell, it's the same way how people can lie. I, we, we have to understand that mental illness overrides intellect. Mental illness overrides intellect. It literally stops you or um, guards you, restrains you from thinking properly. That's what mental illness does because you're not in a place of reality. You're in a land of delusion. You said so much there. I want to go back to, yes, we pass that, 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 these patterns forward. The beautiful thing about that trailblazer and that healer, I am that person in my family, is the healing goes, it's multi-directional. When I determined and I, I said, generational trauma stops here. I sell the shirt, y'all. If you stop in generational trauma and you want to show it, go to the website. I sell the shirt. Generational trauma stops here. But it didn't only stop going forward with my children. It, it ricocheted backwards to my relationship with my mom, to my relationship with my sister. It radiated outwards to my relationship with friends and my relationship with work. And so it, it is that. So I'm going to give an example of this, but this is my caveat. If you are listening to this episode and you have a small child, with you while you're listening. I'm going to encourage you to pause right now. Um, and then when you're not with that child, come back. So I'm gonna give you a second. Go ahead and pause it in case you can't find the button. Go pause because I'm gonna use an example that may not be appropriate for your child. So I love give it a second. It. Give it a second. Okay. Hopefully you had enough time. This is the example that I use. And if you are an adult and you're hearing this for the first time, Hopefully you're sitting, not driving. Don't go swerving because I'm going to say something you may have never heard before. Okay, you ready? Santa Claus is not real. Oh, yeah. Okay, listen. If it's the first time you heard it, my bad. Hopefully you paused it if you do that with your kids. But I want to be real, right? So Santa Claus is not real. However, we're, we're just into the new year. So we just passed this season that somewhere around... October, definitely getting into November, you start seeing this ramp up of Santa related things. Uh, things you can buy, the stories. I don't even know when the whole elf on the shelf thing got started, right? So there's all this stuff, but he's not real. But it's part of what a lot of people in our culture tell their children, right? So 
there is the whole thing, right? He sees you when you're sleeping. He's going to bring you good, this whole thing. Yes. And then somewhere between the ages of, mm, I would say maybe six and 12, mm-hmm. wide range, children begin to figure out or are told mm-hmm. that Santa is not real. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they have whatever reaction they have to it. I knew it. I figured it out. Or, oh my God, how could you lie to me? Right. That same child though, more often than not, will grow up and if they have children they do santa claus with their kids now let's think about this nowhere between six and twelve and them having kids did any new data present itself that would change the fact that they knew he is not real he is a figment of people's very expensive imaginations yet they perpetrated again for their children now look if this is you this is not judgment or indictment but what i will say is I never have done Santa with my kids. And that is because a thing that ain't real, I had trauma, it was real. And you know what? It was like, it was a mythical thing nobody ever talked about. (laughs) It was a figment of my imagination, right? I'm still working through the unacknowledged trauma that I went through as a child, but you gonna tell me that a chubby little white man's gonna come down the chimney and if I don't have one, we'll have them break in on the patio. We can can make all of this up and we know it's a lie. So when we think about it and it's so common, that if we think about that perspective, oh, you're right, you're right. So you know it's not true that you're dumb or you stupid or you ugly or you not gonna become nothing. You know it's not true because you've accomplished things. And 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 but there's still a part of you that holds on to this myth, this lie. And here's the thing about not perpetuating cycles. You can even say to yourself, I will not do that to my kids. I will not, my children will not, I will not call my kids names. I will not, not, not. You have those kids and next thing you know, you're doing it. Yes. It's not enough to not want to do something. Absolutely. You have to understand instead. And the the challenge is, I wish when we made those declarations, somebody gave us a manual that said, oh good. So this is what you do instead. But because we surround ourselves with a lot of people who are like us, We don't build the muscle to even know how to do it different. So we think we're doing it different, but we're actually doing the same thing. That's where therapy can help. That's where that other lens of, oh, you don't want your child to grow up feeling inferior. Cool. So let's talk about one, healing that little child in you that still thinks you are inferior so that you know what that feels like. Then you can give it to your kids so yes. many of us are trying to give our kids what we still don't have ourselves. I'm going to pass the offering plate at some point because I know I'm preaching today because this is so real. In the house. Yes. <laughs> you, are, you are in that. And that is so, so true. Is that people, as you stated, will know something is not reality. You know, this is mystical. This is a you know, imagination, you know, this is something that was brought up by someone and it was, but we're creatures of habit. So by me telling myself something one time or two times, it's not going to be effective. And that's you purchasing the seeds from the store. We still have to plant them. So you purchase the seeds. I celebrate you for that step, but you're not done. It's like taking a test in college and saying, okay, give me my bachelor's degree now. 
what you are not finished with the process. You are not finished. I with love the that. There is a process. And a lot of times we do not respect the process because we don't want to acknowledge the complete process. And we do not want, and we want to also pick and choose. We want to select, we want to be selective um, with what I desire to do in the process. That is not how the process works. We have to respect the process and you may be pissed off. You may get hurt. You're going to cry. And I always ask um, people, what does, tell me what your childhood looks like. Give me your story. Tell me what it looks like. And I can have some of the most difficult clients who don't believe in therapy, but I'm here, you know, for my wife or for my partner or, you know, my best friend said I need to come. And as they started telling their story, I would see the guard come down. Why? Because now you have went back into a place that I want you to go to, because there are going to be some pain points that we're going to acknowledge out of this story. So now that you've told your story, what are the bullet points that we need to work with? Because this is just you purchasing the seeds, but we still have to plant them. I love that so much. That That's good. You purchase the seeds, you got to plant them, and then you got to water it, and you got to do a lot of work. Yes. I think why this is so challenging for people is because right now what we're saying to people is you have to very purposefully and intentionally go through this process. And it's hard for them to understand that it was a process that brought them where they are right now. Why yeah. does it feel so different? It feels so different because the process that brought us to where we are now started in utero when we were in our mother's belly. Yes. And from utero to seven years old, it was not an intentional process. Yes. Children that young don't learn information. They absorb information. Yes. It is directly downloaded, but it's still a process. So yes. how you've come to see the world and how you've come to see yourself and engage with the world, it was a very... Um, unconscious process that you went through and it's challenging now because we're consciously undoing the unconscious things that got us to where we are and that is don't get me wrong it's a lot of work it's it but it's so worth it and I have the same experience Jesse when a person begins to give their story I have multiple things that could happen I have the people who come and they, they just really need to get the story out. And we spend a whole session and we get to age two. That's okay. That's okay. I have the people who come in and they gloss over their story so quick that they tell me about their 30 years of life in five minutes. Yes. Or I have the people who go, I don't have a story. We all have a story. So I find a way to elicit and I pull it out. And the things that they don't think are important I help them see, oh, that was so important. And yes. I think one of the, 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 the things that I do is I then restory their story back to yes. them. Yes. And when we can give them back their story, not using some of the words they've been conditioned to use. I don't know, when I was a kid, I was kind of a bad kid. You know, I was hard headed and I didn't listen. And so they use their words. But when I give them back their story, I'm able to say, so growing up, it sounds like you felt misunderstood very often yes. and that your attempts to connect 
with other people and the high level of energy that you had resulted in that. That's a whole, they look at their story then and be like, misunderstood, resilient connection. Like, what are you talking about? Wait, because you've been talking about bad, hard headed and because yeah. that language. So you talked early in the episode and want to bring it back. I, I call it watch your mouth. Yes. Watch your mouth. Watch how you talk about yourself. Your language matters. And I know that's the word that has been used to define you for the last 25 years. But I, I'm, I'm wondering if you're willing to try out a new word. Can we try this one instead of that one? Because uh, a curious child is treated different than a hard-headed child. Yes. And I think if you realize that you were a curious child, you would think about yourself differently than you would if you were a hard-headed child. So it matters. Absolutely. It does. It does matter. And it's funny that you would say how you narrate their story. You know, as I stated previously, they are the author. So they're bringing their story to us. Now I'm going to narrate your story back to you. I'm going to become the narrator um, and bring your story back to you. I have clients that remember things when they were two or three. And like, how do I remember that? And I tell them, you remember that. Because from birth through the age of three, you're building your, your, your relational templates. So that's, that affects your interaction. And so because of that, now you're digging into your story. Things are coming back into your mind and you're replaying it. And, but we're not going to be negative with this story. We're going to birth the positive because that's the journey we want to take. Healing has to start there. We're not, you're not telling your story to remind yourself of how no good you are. That is not why we're telling this story. We do not want to rebirth more negative emotion. We're telling the story so that we can pick out of your story. I'm the narrator, and we're going to create a strategic plan for you to come out of this and show your family that you can be better. And, and it's so amazing to me that what I found is I, I haven't, even if I wanted to, let me be, let me be clear. It's, it's not even then to go and then go back to your family and point fingers and be like, "Mm -mm, you need healing. (laughs) But it's amazing that they see the difference. Now their response to that difference, it may vary. Some people may get defensive because of your healing, but once we, I have to help people understand you can't take that personally because it's not about you, but If we can, in love, continue to walk our journey of healing and authenticity, the benefits that we personally reap, so many people go like, I want some of that. You different. Why? You, this is different. You used to do it this way. And it's, 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 it's because I'm healing. And so we can become that beacon of light. And, and that is so, imagine the gift you give. Healing is a gift that keeps on giving. It it benefits you. It benefits those directly connected to you. And they may not immediately hop on the, oh, let me go see this person. I'm going to get a therapist too. But they start to look and they, but they got to go through their own process of being like, because one, they don't think it's going to last. Whatever. What I say, a broken clock is right twice a day. They like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But when they see that continual sustained change, You know, you become a billboard for healing without ever having to tell people what they got to do. We don't have to force people into wanting the beauty of healing. We just live it. 
and they yes. they they are like i i want some of that yes yes because you're you're wearing healing and you know and this i some clients you know that i have that are that are codependent i let them know that in this process that part is going to probably hurt you the most because if you're codependent once you begin to walk in your healing there are some people that will celebrate you and then there are some people that will distance themselves because they do not like the new you. And so now you got to prepare yourself through your healing to deal with the shifting of your environment. If the best friend leaves or, you know, if the cousin don't talk to you as much because you two are not having that negative and gossip conversation any longer, you desire to be in a better place in life. So I tell people prepare for your environment to shift. Because there are going to, there is going to be shifting. You're going to be celebrated and you're going to be hated. And that's okay. But remind yourself, continue to affirm to yourself that this is my journey. This is my journey. And it may hurt with you losing some people along the way, but you are ready to become redefined. So you continue to push. And and that that's it. I love that. It, it your relationships have to change because yes. if if one aspect of a thing changes, the whole thing changes. Yes. Now, I, that doesn't define what direction it's going to change or how, but it has to change. Yes. If you are saying, oh, I'm healing, but all your relationships look the same, I'm sorry to break it to you, but something, mm -hmm. it ain't going the way you think it's going because relation, they, by the nature, just by the natures of law, right? Physics mm -hmm. and whatever science yeah. i'm probably getting wrong yeah. when one thing changed the whole thing is going to change yeah. somehow so yeah. jesse i want to take a second let's talk just for a minute about codependence because i know we know what we mean when we say it but i've had a lot of people be like i've heard that word but i don't like can you tell like what is codependency some people don't know so let's dialogue about like what we mean when we say codependent so codependent um, in simple terms is someone that depends on someone all of the time. You depend on someone, you do not know how to end some relationships well. So codependent is you not depending on yourself, but someone else, as, and I tell my clients, it's like someone else almost becomes your idol and you need to learn healthy separation. Doesn't mean I'm talking to you, but I need to realize that I have an unhealthy attachment. This is unhealthy because I'm dependent on you for a majority of the things that take place in my life. But or I, you may become the idol yourself. Exactly. That's true. Mm -hmm. That is so true. And mm -hmm. so, so it, it's you, again, depending on someone and not learning to walk in your authentic self. And, and, and I, I, that's the simple term I give to, to my clients. I love that. And it's clear. Like, I think the distinction and delineation here is like, when we are interdependent, we rely on other people. We depend on yeah. other people for actions. But when yeah. your identity yes, is dependent upon, that's a whole different thing, right? I, I'm dependent on farmers growing food. Yes. to stock in stores or a farmer's yes. market for me to go and purchase so that I can have food. That's an interdependence. But when yes. who I am and how I maneuver the world in my, in my identity 
it's dependent upon a person doing or not doing something. That's what we're talking about, that that codependency. And we can be so enmeshed, that's another word, enmeshed with people. Enmeshment is our identities, like literally who we are is so intertwined with one another. We don't know where you start, where I end. You know, it's that I, it's that kind of like, what, what do we think about this? Like, I didn't yeah. ask we, I asked yeah. you, you know, somebody asked you a question. You're like, hold on, let me, what, what, what we think about this? When you can't, I, when you can't single out a thought or a right. feeling or right. a way of being without it having to be directly connected Yes. Then, then that's that codependence and and it could be with a parent it yeah. could be with a lover it could be with a child y'all ain't ready it could be with the church it could be with the yeah. mosque it can, it can be with the business it can yeah. it can be with an entity yes but there there is this understanding of i can't exist without this person or entity existence with me yes and again that is you are not walking and you do not know your authentic identity. And I tell clients, the first step I deal with with codependency is A, again, the root, where it was birthed from. And then B, now we have to introduce you to you because you don't know yourself. So now we have to introduce you to you. And it's even like in marriages, like when couples are together and they have done things for the other partner for so long and then they get divorced. And now it's like they are lost. Like they don't, they don't know what their favorite food by their selfie is, you know, their favorite place to go because it was always connected. And I'm not saying, you know, in marriage that, you know, we should not have, you know, uh, uniform thoughts in some things, but I'm still an individual. And some people, they get lost even after divorce because they're like, I, I don't know because I've always done it with him or he always made the decisions. And so learning, when you see that, understand, I need to, in order for me to walk in my authentic self, I need to deal with the root and introduce me to me. I had to introduce my, get acquainted with myself at 30. And I had been in a 12 year relationship, 18 to 30. All I knew my entire adult life, those basic things for real. Is this my favorite color? Is this my favorite food? One of the biggest discovery for me, do I really like thrifting? No, no, I don't. Oh my God, right? So it's all of these things. Now, I think it's important to note that I don't, we're not even trying to suggest that there is always malicious intent. When there is enmeshment and codependency in a codependence on another person or people, it's not that someone's sitting back with a maniacal plan to take away your authenticity, but we project onto people what we need them to be. If you've been in a relationship with someone your whole life, in the case of like parents and siblings, or even a partner for a long period of time, you both project onto one another what you need of them. So when there is some kind of separation from that, it's like, well, this is all I know that I am. Not because necessarily they were trying to be malicious, but that's what they needed, which is why I think a benefit of parenting is so many unhealed parents are turning their children 
into what the parent needs instead of yeah. letting that child be who that child is. Exactly. It happened to so many of us. Okay. But as a parent, we can start to look at the expectations we have, the rules we set, the way our family is structured, all yeah. the way down to who sleeps where. What are yeah. your roles? And it and is the sole purpose of my my expectation of my child to meet this need, then that yeah. is taking away their of their opportunity for authentic expression and development and that ain't easy we said this before we started recording parenting is the hardest thing i've done and i've done some hard stuff and outside of where's the remote like i should never have to take out trash or get a remote control again for the rest of my life i got three kids yeah and i'm not gonna let that go (laughs) i'm not gonna let that go but then i start to think about when sometimes I need something, how easy and seamless it could be to require my child who was dependent upon me and I have authority over to meet that need. When I have to constantly be aware of what I my expectations of myself as a parent and say, it is not their job to meet my need. I have to learn how to meet my needs myself because that's not why my child was born. And it's so it's deep, y'all. We we have the capacity to stop these generational dysfunctional cycles that have been passed down for generation to generation. And sometimes we are some of the first people that let people know that. So I'm hoping that's what people are taking away from the episode today this is not judgment it's not indictment i hope it's hope to be like oh wait that's a thing i yes. don't have to do that yes 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 you can be you as so if you are not you after today that make a decision that i'm going to be me and be okay with it that's a that's a, that's the second step i have to be okay with it yeah. And if you like, all right, fine, Dr. Jesse, I want to be me, but I don't even know what that means. That's okay. Yes. That's what we help people figure out. You don't have to know all the steps. You don't have to predict the future. Just surrender to the process. Yes. And if you can engage with us and people like us who are helping people on this authentic journey, not just individuals, but families too, like yes. you can be you as a family with individual members of a family system like it is so possible and I really really hope that that that's the takeaway so Jesse as we start to wrap up is there anything that we didn't talk about or say that you want to leave for the listeners today um there's not anything we did not talk about I just want the listeners to know again I always say it is difficult but it's necessary so healing may be difficult Um, Again, they may want to scream, they may want to pull their hair out, and that's okay. At least you purchase the seeds. Now let's plant them and cultivate them so that you can be the redefining you. I love that. So Jesse, if someone heard something that you said today, they want to reach out and get in contact with you or know more about you, how can people find you? I am Dr. Redefined all across social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I am Dr. Redefined, D-R-R-E-D-E-F-I-N-E-D. And then my website is IamRedefined.org. So E-D on the end, www.IamRedefined.org. Love it. And I always like to end the episode by asking my guests to share an interesting, fun, or little known fact about themselves. So what you got for us? 
uh, I love, although I'm 41, I still love going to the Harvest Fest and doing the hay rides with my daughters. They, they say they're too old to do it now, but I still make them go. That's the good <laughs> job about being a parent. <laughs> so that whole, like, let them be them. If you want to do the hay ride, that aside. No. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Jesse, for joining us. I really, really appreciate, you know, all that you brought uh, for the listeners today. So thank you for being my guest. I thank you for the invite. I'm gratefully thankful. Absolutely. I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who provides all of the music for the Labors of Love podcast, to my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media, and of course, to you, my listeners. Never take for granted that you spend time listening to the content. If you have suggestions for content or guests, please feel free to reach out at my website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. We're on all the major social media outlets. Don't forget to check out our brand new Instagram account specifically for the podcast, the underscore LOL underscore pod. And of course, don't forget to give us that five-star rating and review the podcast. Until we connect again, you all be well.